Welcome to Ancient Answers, where we discuss modern issues in the framework of ancient wisdom and discuss how the ancients figured out and solved their problems. Mm-hmm. Yep. I am Gordon. And I'm Shane. And welcome to the next episode of Ancient Answers. Now, this episode is one of our quote and answer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we call them Q&As, where we're, we've each picked two quotes from an ancient source and then we're going to read them to each other, and then we're going to just spontaneously comment on what we think the meaning is and how it relates to our lives today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll go first. Yep. I am going to what pick. Do what do you got? I got a classic Herodias. Ah. I mean, he was the first historian, or first Greek historian at least. And even if his stories were exaggerated, <laughs> yeah. we love his history. <laughs> he wasn't the most accurate historian ever, but, but we <laughs> love the characters that he created. Yeah. Um, now, he wrote a very, a very concise one. He was making a commentary uh, when he talked to about Phoenician traders. Okay. And he had made the comment in the middle of this sort of paragraph, haste in every business brings failure. Which is very concise. And I thought, okay, now how does that apply to business? Definitely applies to business, but I'm also going to comment about life. Mm-hmm. Where in our lives, when we do something hastily, very quickly, without forethought or planning, do we deal with failure? And how often is that a truism? Because we also have a truism in our society where sometimes you need to make lightning decisions Mm -hmm. with your reflexes. So how do you distinguish between well, hesitating and not hesitating. Well, that's sort of what, what I was thinking when, when you read the quote. <clears throat> Pardon me. Now, don't get me wrong. I certainly agree that... Uh, actually, I'm just going to re- read it one more time because I keep on kind of forgetting it. Haste in every business brings failures. Now, personally, I'm, I'm a cautious person by nature. Um, I tend to be slower and methodical and, and very patient. Um, so I certainly agree with that, that haste just opens the door for for failure and for mistakes to happen and even just on a on a small scale not even talking like big business or anything but just on a smaller scale but at the same time the flip side of that is there certainly are situations where a lightning decision does need to be made yeah where do you pick it up so it's it's i guess i guess the the real importance on that one would be distinguishing one from the other I think there is a place where you can make a differentiation for that, a difference. Yeah. If you're making business decisions, one could argue that sometimes you're forced to make a very quick decision just because circumstances are thrust upon you. Yeah. Uh, we certainly know in military history, there have been oodles of examples where very quick decisions had to be made in the heat of battle. Yep. Because once a battle starts, all the, all the planning goes out the door anyway. Yes, Absolutely. However, I wonder whether I speculate that in personal relations and decisions, haste would make sense and to not be rashly respond to a personal situation. You have a slight disagreement with somebody. uh, Should you respond immediately or should you take time to ponder and think a situation? So I wonder whether this is a quote that has two sides to it. Yeah. Well... yeah, like I like I said, I, I certainly agree with it, but at the same time, I do think that there are situations where it's incorrect, and because um, I've like uh, for example, uh, to to use that sort of uh, a, a personal situation where if 
uh, let's say like someone's you know getting on getting in your face and on your nerves and whatnot. Now I'm very much the kind of person where I brush it off and I don't worry about it. And if it becomes an issue, you know, talk it out and deal with it. But then there are times where enough is enough, and I will respond very quickly and aggressively and just kind of stomp it out. But generally, that's because there's been a, a buildup of issues over a long time, which is not something I try to let happen. But again, it's 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 very situational. It's very flexible, I would say, depending on what's yeah, going on. Yeah, because there is a difference between making a hasty decision in business, making a hasty decision in a personal relationship, yeah. making a hasty decision. I think I've in 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 any other aspect, financial, yep. because making hasty decisions financially, well, that's always scary. Yes. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes you're being coerced or even bamboozled by someone who's forcing you to make a quick decision. Yes. Con artists are use that as a very common tactic. That's true. There's you got to make a decision now, now, now. It's yep. you, This deal is too good to let, you know, pass by, blah, yep. blah, blah. Well, and even, even on a much smaller scale, I find that haste leads me to make more mistakes. So even... Um, just if, I, if I'm trying to do something with my hands, you know, uh, let's use something as simple as folding up a piece of paper to put in an envelope and seal. You know, that's, it's a relatively simple thing that everyone understands how to do. And if you just take your time and do it carefully, it's easy. But a simple thing like that, if, you, if you're in a hurry and you're trying to do it really quickly... And you bend you, up sheet or something. Yeah, you're, you, it, it, may, it makes it so much easier to you know, fold something the wrong way and it's not going in properly. You're trying to just jam that uh, envelope or letter into the envelope. Just uh, And there was a coworker of mine actually who recently told me that in the Marines, I think it is in the U.S., or some, some branch of the U.S. military anyway, uh, they have a saying to sort of combat that whole idea. And it's... Uh, what is it? Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. So oh, it's this, interesting. Okay, it's not this, heard I, that. That's yeah, a good exp- I had never heard it either, but I, I found it to be very much a truism where if you slow down and take the time to do things properly and carefully, you'll end up doing them faster than if you were to just hurry, hurry, hurry and try to get to get it done. Ah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I really, I really, really like that that quote that he. And again, he. When he, it was a coworker of mine who told me, told it to me, and he attributed it to uh, again a branch of the U.S. military. But I, I couldn't say for certain if that's uh, that's the truth. Gotcha. But, yeah. Well, what's your quote now? What you have a quote? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've got one right here. So this one's from uh, Confucius. I, f- I found this one very interesting. So it's uh, in a country well governed, poverty is something to be ashamed of. In a country badly governed, wealth is something to be ashamed of. That's from Confucius. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, according to the source that I found, it's a it's a quote attributed to Confucius. Yes. Well, that's interesting. That goes back to 500 or so BC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, think of how the ideals that we in our society take. We live in North America. Yeah. Uh, we believe in some level of social planning, mm-hmm. where we provide. Uh, well, certainly this year with the COVID, some sort of financial support for those that have had their their livelihoods taken from them. Uh, that poverty is something that we'll do our best to avoid. Yeah, and and that's part of a, it. Should be the hallmark of an organized, in this case, a democratic as well. Yeah. organized society mm-hmm. that takes care of its citizens, even those that are not able to return the favor. 
And, and that's one of the reasons why I found, when I stumbled upon this quote, I found it so relevant to today because in, I'm of the opinion that both aspects of it are very, very relevant. So the first part, in a country well-governed, poverty is something to be ashamed of. Well, yeah, because if you, you are part of a well-governed, prosperous country, then why is there poverty? Why does that inequality exist? You know, there's, there's no reason for it. And sometimes the argument is, well, if you don't have the skills or you don't have the drive, then you need to accept what fate and nature gives you. I mean, that's the other hard end. Okay, but yeah, generally, that's speaking, uh, generally speaking, people don't believe that you should be bitterly suffering. Yeah, or destitute as a result of it. There's a difference between, I guess, someone who's considered lazy and someone who's considered ill fortunate or ill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's true. We have to disintegrate. Yeah. Um, but then the the other half of it, though, in a country badly governed, wealth is something to be ashamed of, and that's something that uh, there's there's been a big movement over the last, let's say, two years or so, especially in the in the United States, um, about taxing the rich, and this is something that we've been seeing a lot in developed society lately, but. Um, for me, most predominantly, I've been seeing this in the United States where it's this idea that we can afford everything that we need. We can afford health care and education and, and social uh, stimulus to, to help people and to help lift up all of society. There's no reason for poverty. There's no reason for homelessness. There's no reason for uh, poor environmentalism. We can afford all of this so long as the people who can afford it are taxed appropriately. Now, I'm not suggesting take everything that they own. No, that's no, that's that's entirely unreasonable. But we do know that if you take the top 200 corporations in the United States, many of them are sitting on between 60 and 70% of their net equity value mm -hmm. in the form of cash. Yeah. And therefore the cash is not circulating, it's not doing any good, it's not it's not doing any work. Yeah, exactly. You need money needs to circulate within an economy yeah. in order for it to have any kind of benefit. So if you give a thousand dollars to someone who's who's uh, you know close to the poverty line, let's say, or someone who's not well off, they'll spend that money on clothing and food and they furniture, spend it right away. and yeah. and it goes back into the economy. It goes back into local businesses, and it provides a service. If you give a hundred thousand dollars to some large corporation, they put it into a vault. It stays there. It doesn't do anything. And then they say, I need 100000 more dollars. Well, again, a reference to Rome is, of course, the city of Rome created enormous amounts of social uh, donation, donations. Mm -hmm. That's the right word. A social program. Yeah. And they, it's bread and circuses. Yeah. And, you know, entertainment. And they made sure there was bread. Uh, grain was brought to the city. Uh, you know, for the, when Rome was roughly one million people... Mm -hmm. Uh, in around the second century AD, approximately one third of Romans were not uh, were not in work, mm -hmm. were not at a job. Okay, that's interesting. They were yeah. either slaves that didn't have many things to do. It sounds crazy when we think, well, wouldn't they have everybody working? Yeah. No, that was a problem that Roman officials wrote about the fact that they had so many people that came into the city and weren't able to find meaningful work. Hmm. One was the city itself was limited to its its space. If yeah, you were. of course. And two was, it it had a it had a, a welfare program. Okay. It had it at least supplied its citizens with food. Yeah. And therefore, for those that had their land taken from them or had lost their industry in other outlying areas, they had nowhere else to go. Yeah. However, 
That's interesting. Well, Confucius, you know, I have found that the more I read Confucius quotes and materials and stuff that has survived, you find the great wisdom in that thinker. Mm -hmm. He's, uh, I mean, it's part of the Eastern tradition, yes, but course, it should yeah. be really uh, as, as no one in the West as anybody else. Yeah. All right, so what's, uh, what's your second one you got well, there, Gord? My second quote here comes from, of all people, Confucius! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is something you'll hear in a lot of job training programs in our world today. <laughs> Choose a job you love and you will never work a day in your life. That's, that's a quote they throw around in the show Letterkenny quite a bit as well, actually. No, do they? I <laughs> they think do, yeah. Um, what's interesting about this one is I thought that that quote would come from some sort of uh, business training seminar yeah. that has been you know popular in the last several decades, but no, it goes back to Confucius, your boy yeah. uh, there that you just quoted. Um, <laughs> Find a job that you love. You'll never work a day in your life. Hmm. I think that that is profoundly true particularly and to all respect to the wonderful women that listen to the show i'm a man so i will speak just briefly on a man's perspective i do think that that is true that if you can do something you feel pride there is a sense and i think it's part of the male psyche in many ways to feel proud for what you create mm -hmm. what you build and what you do what you own maybe it's a bit old-fashioned and i think there is sort of some progress going on right now but you take pride in your work yeah. If you're a craftsman, you take pride in your work. Yeah, that's very uh, true. Well, and, and the nice thing, too, is that if you can find something that you enjoy thoroughly and, and find a career out of it, you know, whether it's craftsman or entertainer or educator or what have you, you know, any, anything really, um, it's always a nice, pleasant surprise when work doesn't really feel like work. Now, the flip side of and that... And a work environment, too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. true. I've, I've had... I've had some, frankly, pretty crummy jobs that I thoroughly enjoyed because I had awesome coworkers that I enjoyed working with that, uh, that made here. it worthwhile. Yeah. So, now the flip side of that is that uh, over the last year I was unemployed for uh, for some time, um, and obviously I was extremely relieved when I did find a job and started working again. It's been going very, very well. Um, but people ask me, you know, oh are you happy to be working? And obviously the answer is yes. But at the same time, I had a lot of fun when I was off too. And I like working and I like being productive and I, and I like contributing. At the same time, I don't know if I've ever had a job that I enjoy as much as playing my guitar at home or playing video <laughs> games on my couch well, or well, going for a hike in the bush. <laughs> so. We have to thank the COVID for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a little bit different situation uh, for the listeners here, as I have, I have a medical issue uh, that uh, I, I'm getting much better, but I definitely had a crisis point last year. Uh, the uh, I I miss not having a job to go to, although I do keep myself busy at home on a relative number of projects that mm -hmm. uh, working on. But I do think that is true. Like I often reflect upon even family members I'm aware of, past family members, who worked some tough jobs. Mm -hmm. Worked some, you know, I think of the industrial mills of England, France, and Germany two or three centuries ago that were just miserable places to work. Horrific places, uh, you know, satanic mills, yeah. as we, you know, Charles, uh, uh, 
other you know authors and other people have written my thoughts on this one are yeah it's not an easy it's because you have to work at it sometimes you have to be lucky mm-hmm. and but sometimes you have to really take a gamble that you can get a job and know that you're going to enjoy that and sometimes it just falls in your in your lap and you're yeah. just grateful for it there's well there's that's the thing with a lot of these quotes is that there's a especially today with uh, the ones we talk about there's definitely in um a portion of it is just uh, attributed to good luck you know good fortune i got a second thought about that just okay. come to mind if you think about it we're going through a bit of a tipsy-turvy time in the western part of the world with the covid impact yeah so many people out of jobs and working for jobs I wonder how much that will give people a, a, a time to think about what they want to do in terms of moving ahead and adapting to maybe the technology. Maybe you don't go to work anymore mm-hmm. to a physical location, but you will work from home. Yeah. And how do you find personal fulfillment through a job that might not involve as much socialization with coworkers? That's that's a good point. And well, stuff actually. and how much of an impact that could have. Um, but I do know that there has been a significant increase in artists artisans yes people that do artistic items and works of art as part of their uh their employment or what they offer to society to sell yeah and and so on so well confucius was 2500 years ahead of his time (laughs) (laughs) smart man all All right right. what's your uh what's your uh fourth quote here so uh so my my next quote that i have this one, I, I really like this one. This is a very common saying today, and I didn't realize that it was associated with Plato, uh, but this is a quote from Plato. Necessity is the mother of invention. Oh, boy, did we hear that one. Right? Necessity is the mother of right? invention. Right? That, that is one I've been hearing my entire life, and I just kind of took it as a, as a modern quote, but it, apparently it, it's attributed to Plato. Is this not... The fundamental core of human history. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we need to grow crops and eat. Oh, let's invent agriculture. Yeah. We need tools to make things. Let's invent, you know, bronze and iron and not invent, but yeah, create the tools from these things. Develop. Yeah. Uh, well, even a, a, <laughs> a more modern example of that is look at the, the space program in the 1960s. Oh, we need this technology to land on the moon. We don't have it. Well, we need to build it. <laughs> but did we land on the moon? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, folks. I'm just joking. <laughs> but it's, I it's... thought there's aliens that came down and gave us all this technology. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's what I'm watching online. No, no. They're the ones who built the pyramids. You're okay, getting, you're getting your, your stories mixed up, Gord. Uh, but it, but it, I I honestly I love that quote. I think it's wonderful, and and I I think that it is it is like you said. It's kind of fundamental and foundational to all of humankind. So that's Plato. That, yeah, think, apparently that was that was Plato who said that one. It would it would make sense. He would have he would have seen how problem solving would be would result in ideas, mm-hmm. products, and techniques and strategies yeah. that would replace. And trial and error would be the the mechanism that would uh, refine. Yeah. Well, he he lived through a pretty turbulent time, so. Yeah, you know was, he did. There was a, there yeah. was a lot going on and a lot of things that had to happen. So I think uh, I think he had a pretty good idea what he was talking about. Yeah, he did live in that interesting time, uh, the transition. He saw the death of Socrates mm-hmm. and kind of how that upset him to the point where he would write these books. And we are fortunate that his books have survived. Yeah. I mean, you can buy copies in English of all five of his books. Mm-hmm. And 
it's interesting to read them. It depends on the the translator. Yeah, of course. You can. It's a profound books to read yeah. because he 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 obviously was a great mind. Aristotle, which was a was one of his students actually, yep. you find his surviving books to be very lucid, very logically orientated. But that transition time, uh, just before you would see the brute force of Rome come on the scene. Yeah, essentially. And essentially, yeah. All right. Uh, do you have one more for us, or was that all? No, four? that was it. That, that was, was all four. four. Oh, okay. That gives I, us I our, mixed up my order. Q and A. Yep. The next Q and A. We're going to have more of them in this season. Yeah. Uh, but we thank everybody for listening in as we take some of the ancient quotes and we we think about how they relate to us today. Yeah. Yeah. A little little bit of dissection on some ancient wisdom there. And uh, but as, as Gord said, thank you for listening and feel free to check us out on uh, Spotify. We've got our web uh, uh, our podcast. Sorry. Uh, gets posted on Anchor every Wednesday, so anchor.fm slash ancientanswers. And from there, you can find links to our Facebook page as well as uh, Twitter, Instagram accounts, which we are going to be starting up very shortly. Yep. <laughs> YouTube yeah, YouTube channel. Got, we've got a good plan in front of us. We're taking advantage of the slower winter season. Yes. Uh, we're re- recording this right now in December of 2020, and uh, we're looking forward to the holidays. Yep. And we'll be back in January with more episodes. And we wish everybody well and have a great holiday. I'm Shane. And I'm Gordon. Thanks for listening to Ancient Answers. Ancient Answers.